Welcome to Real Talk, the daily 49er podcast dedicated to all things film. My name is RJ Singh, and today we're talking about Christopher Nolan's latest work, Tenet. It's here. It's now. It's the spectacle of the decade. It could have been. Now, it's not to say it's not Nolan at his most original. The problem is that It's too original, so much so that it only allows for its creator to understand what's actually happening. There's not a doubt in my mind that this will require some sort of research on behalf of the audience if you choose to see Tenet, which is screening at select drive-ins and theaters. Now, clearly there might be some spoilers here. But I can't help but contemplate, are there really spoilers if what's supposedly being spoiled won't be understood in the first place? The obvious is made clear. Tenet is the team behind the prevention of the end of the world. For what might be the general agreement here is that the end of the world will be the product of the inverted world meeting the future world. And I apologize if the following triggers any sort of seizure. The way objects and people are able to move, I guess you could say back in time, is through a little something called inverse radiation. This reverses the entropy of said objects. Entropy being the spread of energy within that object. Moving along. Objects of the future can be placed in a way that past beings can find. Of course, inverse radiation isn't real, but the rule is objects affected by inverse radiation can move backward in time. This is such a bold idea, and of course, people will want to abuse this power. It's heavy stuff, right? Give me a second, it gets wilder. Essentially, beings from the future have mastered this ability, and it's how they're able to send things like weapons back to dealers like the film's antagonist, Andre. And the protagonist is, well, played by John David Washington, of course. These future beings have figured out the algorithm that can move the entire world and not just stationary objects keeping in mind that this isn't necessarily time travel because certain objects and humans can move in reverse while everyone else continues to move forward. The logic Nolan has brought forth is if forward-moving objects like Earth meet their past selves or inverted selves, it makes for instant annihilation. Now, you might ask, why these future beings want this for humanity. It's not clearly stated, but let's just say the world in the future is not exactly a utopia. In other words, global warming. The past beings are now to blame, of course. An intriguing quality the picture shares, actually, is that it doesn't explain everything. No matter how much it loves to explain how inverse radiation works, which is also probably for the best. We don't know if blowing up Earth 
in an inverted point of time will save us from global warming in the future or just plain old wipe us off the face of the galaxy. Also, it's damn near impossible to explain inverse radiation without it becoming more and more complex. And that was just the skinny. So hang in there. So once you've understood this, you can begin to put characters and settings in their place. But that's where I think the real problem stands. The idea of this movie is bigger than any of its characters. There's almost no need for them besides to explain what is going on, which of course the film isn't afraid of doing. It seems as if no one wrote these characters secondary to the idea of inverse radiation. They are actually pawns in the grand scheme of the story. But all these characters, you know, they have their stunts and choreography going for them, which is actually pretty fresh when you consider them experiencing inverse radiation during firefights, bombings, car crashes, and even fistfights. I think we can appreciate how Nolan uses inverse radiation because it's truly nothing like we've seen before. Okay, we've got all of our Bond villains seeking to destroy the world, whether it be bombs or lasers, and Agent Smiths of the Matrix with a unique plot in his own right. But Nolan's story is something the average human could not fathom without Nolan being there to create it. I think another factor to consider is that the stakes were so high the scale was so grand, there was no way that Nolan could walk away with the perfect film. But even in terms of location, it loses its weight when the characters are treated as pawns. I mean, we're not talking about Lawrence of Arabia here. So, if we're speaking in terms of the story world, this could be the pinnacle of espionage films. If we're speaking in terms of film form, cohesiveness and development is something that the picture struggles with. It's actually been a few days since I've seen Tenet, and I noticed that I've grown to appreciate the picture as the days go on. Like, think about what I just said. Think about the premise in the shower two days from now. Think about it before you go to sleep tonight. As much as this might be a flawed picture, Audiences will definitely look back on this film and its sheer imagination of the writer-director. This is truly something you have to see to believe. However, if you're asking me if it made sense for Tenet to open up as Christopher Nolan intended, no, it doesn't. Most people will go and see them at the drive-in anyway, and... I can tell you firsthand it's not the way to see this movie. But that doesn't mean you should run to the first movie theater you see. And I think this is the true injustice to the film. And I'm not sure if Nolan realizes that. This has been Real Talk with your host, RJ Singh, signing off.